the geek shall inherit the earth. thank you how are you i'm loving that map behind you that's amazing well yeah this is uh my study where i, I do all my writing so i have the maps of all the books that i'm <laughs> the places where i'm writing about so that i can make sure they're uh, strictly accurate yes but yeah the, I, I, the books are about a, a boy who disappears into a world map and uh, to any place in the world at any time in history so uh, that's uh, that's why it's up there for reference. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, I definitely want to get to, get to the books in a, in a bit because they're amazing. But good. Um, let, let's talk about how you got into acting because I mean I've seen you in loads of things. I've seen you in in Robin Hood uh, as Little John. I've seen you in in, in Casualty. I've seen you in Shameless. Um, in White Van Man as well. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and also in Aliens as well, in Alien 3. How did you get into acting? Uh, I, I was always in the uh, school plays, you know, from whatever age, uh, from sort of 9, 10, 11 upwards. And uh, when I was 17, I, 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 a notice went up on the school notice board saying anyone wants to audition for the National Youth Theatre, uh, give it a go. So I, I did. Um, and I was very, very lucky to get in. I, mean, I think about 4,000 people auditioned every year and they took about 80 or 100 uh, children. Uh, so I think, I can't remember how old I was now, but 17, I think. And um, which started my uh, love affair with acting properly. I, um, uh, as soon as I walked into uh, this, uh, the, the school in Chalk Farm where we all met during the summer, um, uh, during the summer holidays when National Youth Theatre works. Uh, I, I suddenly fitted in for the first time in my life. I was amongst like-minded people. We all laughed at the same things and cried at the same things and uh, wanted to do the same things. I, I was a bit of an outcast at school. I, you know, I wasn't, um, uh, you know, I was just a bit of an odd bod really and, uh, and hadn't quite found what uh, what my uh, f uh, forte in life was, but as soon as as soon as I was amongst these people, I knew, uh, and uh, from there began this wonderful process of four or five years of the National Youth Theatre, um, and then I, I managed to uh, eventually get into RADA. Um, I, I auditioned for about four or five drama schools, but it was only in my um, uh, uh, all my mates were, were strolling into drama schools all over the place. I thought, well, I'm as good as them. I'll get in. And yeah. Forget to do things like learn my lines for the audition, things like that. So it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a good job that actually I matured a bit before I went to drama school because I got the best out of it. Some people um, went straight to RADA from school, and you know, uh, if they weren't from London, you know, the shock of being a at a drama school and b in London, yeah, um, you know, was 
was a, was a bit much in their first year was they were like rabbits in headlights really but um, no I was very pleased I, I think I was 21 when I started drama school um, and uh, left when I was 23 and I've been bumbling along ever since you know it's been um, it's been a roller coaster I will say that and that's probably a bit of a cliche about uh, a career uh, you can never sustain the highs and you can guarantee that you won't be down and out forever and ever and ever. Uh, so I've had, you, you remember those uh, things from school, they were called parabolas, I think, yeah. where, you, where you have a series of ups and downs and ups and downs. Well, I must have had eight or ten ups and I must have had eight or ten downs. And, uh, um, you know, w when you're at the top, you think it's uh, you think you're set for life. And when you're at the bottom, you think, how am I ever going to get out of this? But something turns up, a, a job turns up. It's a bit different at the moment, obviously, with COVID, because yeah. uh, um, I mean, I've had three plays collapse on me, you know, uh, which I've committed to. Um, and uh, they've all gone by the wayside. So um, none of us know what's going on at the moment. None of us know how it's all going to work out. But um, hopefully, no, <laughs> hopefully something yeah. How have you, how mean, have you found it? Um, well, I've, I've poured myself uh, into... Uh, there's not a square inch of the house that hasn't been painted. Or uh, if, if a leaf dares fall on my lawn, I run out and catch it before it hits the, hits the ground. Uh, no, so I've done a lot of projects at uh, home. Uh, I, bizarrely, I delivered my third book about a week before lockdown um, uh, hit. Uh, my publisher then had COVID. My uh, editor uh, uh, was on maternity leave. So uh, everything got sort of held back. And, uh, and so that doesn't come out until I think the week after next. But uh, so uh, it hasn't even been, uh, I've done a lot of rewrites, obviously, on, yeah. on their notes during that time. But it's not as if I was even really busy writing during COVID. I found it very difficult to concentrate on things for a long period. So I've been just tackling jobs, really, um, and uh, ringing a lot of mates and, <laughs> and uh, catching up with a lot of news, really. Yeah, it's it, it's it's quite bleak out there, isn't it? With uh, with everything that's coming across, and it's it's hard for people, I guess, you know, to to kind of take it all in. Everybody can handle it differently, like you say. You've been keeping busy and doing odd jobs and and everything. Yeah, it's just a question, you know. My wife, my son, we uh, we we're a nice little bubble, and we we keep each other. It's amazing, actually, that we've kept each other entertained and <laughs> happy all this long. We've resorted to, uh, um, you know, a few box sets uh, at times. Um, I, you know, I can't just sit and watch seven or eight episodes of something no. in a, in a row, but. I can do one episode a night, you know, over six or seven nights. So that, I mean, that's been, that's been lovely. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, I think it's going to be a long, hard winter, but uh, hopefully yes. come the spring, we'll, we'll, everything will bounce back, hopefully. Yes, hopefully everything will bounce back, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. what, have you been, what, have you been, uh, what have you been watching? What's been tickling your fancy uh, EV-wise? Early on, caught up with a wonderful Better Call Saul, you know, oh, the yes. spin-off of Breaking Bad, Breaking Bad, which I, I really, really love. And Better Call Saul, I, um, you know, I thought it was uh, fantastic, really uh, lovely series. Um, then we went on to, uh, sound, um, we've, we've done three uh, Jewish series, uh, um, uh, Un... 
oh, what's it called? Unorthodox, which was wonderful. Stiesel, which was wonderful. And we're now on uh, the magnificent Mrs. Meisel or the marvelous Mrs. Meisel, whatever it's called. So that, oh, they're, yeah, they're that's, very that's brilliant. That is, that's really good yeah. show. That is. Yeah, yeah. So we've thoroughly enjoyed those. Uh, we did Line of Duty from beginning to end because I'd never seen it. Um, so we did one episode a night of five, however many series there have been, five or six series of Line of Duty, which I have to say I thought was, uh, you know, really, really good. Um, and uh, lovely to see a lot of old mates in that. So it was always nice to see them uh, uh, earning a living. Yeah. Um, uh, otherwise, uh, that's been about it, really. Um, uh, caught up with the, it's funny because a few old films that uh, I thought, oh, right, we'll, we'll watch a nice old film that we love uh, tonight. And some of them have really not lived up to, uh, you know, uh, I've always thought that Breakfast at Tiffany's was one of my favourite films until I tried to watch it again the other week. And I yeah. thought, Dear, it's not quite as good as I remember, you know. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we've been careful about what we watch. You know, we, we don't want to disillusion ourselves. No, no, absolutely not. Um, I think I've been listening to a lot of music, really. I've been um, catching up with all my uh, old 1970s rock bands and all the concept albums that I've got stacked on my shelves and things like that. Um, podcasts while I've been gardening great uh, mate of mine Michael Fenton Stevens does a lovely uh, he does an amazing podcast doesn't he yeah. my, uh, my I, I listen to his podcast it's so uh, good so yeah. good I love listening to that uh, well I'm lucky I was I was interviewed for it um, before lockdown happened so mine I think it comes out in the next couple of weeks it's a very, a very uh, sort of genteel, sort of whimsical look at the world uh, because lockdown hadn't happened. So it's going to yeah. sound very strange. People are going to think I'm a complete idiot, but <laughs> never mind. Um, and also, we did, our, our dog had just had seven puppies. So uh, I, wow. was, um, I was out on my feet. I really was. I was so knackered from looking after these seven puppies <laughs> that uh, I probably didn't make much sense. Uh, anyway, that's out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but it is—it's a great podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it's really, uh, another really mate, is. Yeah, another mate, Alex Lowe, does a wonderful thing. Uh, Clinton Baptiste, which is—he's a sort of pretend paranormal, uh, a pa paranormal para para what's it? Uh, you know, um, uh, not a fortune teller. What do you call it? Uh, psychic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He—it's uh, the character he used to play in Phoenix Nights. Uh, 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 Peter Kay's Phoenix Nights, and he's now got does his own uh, podcast. So that, that's very funny as well. Oh, I'll have to check but that out because I liked Phoenix yeah. Nights. I thought that was really good. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Alex is uh, Alex is also uh, Barry from Watford. Who uh, I don't know if you know that character, but that's a highly entertaining character as well. But uh, no, those are the sort of things that have kept me going. But music, especially, you know. Um, and the, uh, the, the glories of uh, Six Music, I don't know if you listen to Six Music, but it's uh, um, every day, uh, about two or three tracks that I listen to there, I have to, I have to download. because have to download. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, been quite, it's been quite expensive on that front. I'm yeah, yeah, that's it. the thing. Is it, it's, it's, so, it's so easily and readily available. And yet we still have to pay for it. And we don't, we just kind of disassociate the fact that it costs money still. I know. 
well, I'm glad that at least uh, at least some artists are getting paid for something. Uh, you know, yeah, all my all my television shows that I've done seem to be repeated on various digital channels, which you get about forty three pence for uh, about once every four or five months. But uh, wow, that's, I, I thought it'd be a lot more than that. If I'm honest, I honestly thought it'd be more than that. But it, it depends if it's if a show you you've been in and well paid when you did it is repeated on in prime time then okay then it's worth uh, then it's worth uh, a fair bit of money but um if it's shown on a digital channel at, at three o'clock in the morning you get virtually nothing you know they oh, may okay. as well just they may walk past you with uh with you know with a five pound note waved <laughs> at you and you, you go to grab it but they take it away say so, no not no oh no that's um, harsh yeah 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 Never mind. oh that's really harsh um, well, there's so, certainly worse things at sea. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose, yeah, there's, you know, this kind of situation puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? It kind of puts a lot of, uh, you know, especially the entertainment industry that's been sort of on its knees now for the best part of, of half a year. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's hard to see a way out of it. It, it, it. If I'm honest, I don't know if I'd want to go and sit in a theatre just at the moment um yeah. uh I, it would be a very weird experience i think but uh, uh we'll see anyway fingers crossed i'm i'm talking about uh, a play i'm gonna do in about a year's time at the moment so at least they're talking they're talking about that but uh ha having the last three that i've said yes to all having cancelled it's uh you know i'm, I'm, not, I'm not holding <laughs> out no no not holding out much hope at all yeah. um no, so, obviously, you, you've been you, you've done UK TV, but you've also done US blockbuster films, and, and I'm I'm talking obviously mainly Alien Three, and I'm a huge fan of all of the Aliens. Uh, I mean, two of them were out before I was even born, but love <laughs> the franchise. How did you how did you find the the difference between sort of going from 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 Robin Hood, you know, to to, to doing Alien 3 because obviously and funny enough your character has the first yes there there's the picture there yeah and your character yeah. has the first name uh, as yourself it's, it's called Clive Clive William um was that the name that that was what uh, they gave William, you? I, I thought I was just William I, I didn't know I was Clive William no they uh, gave me um, down as Clive William yeah oh really um I, I, no I, I didn't know that um it was an extraordinary experience it was a wonderful time um plus because of the you know it's it's wonderful to be on something that size yeah uh at pinewood we had seven sound stages so that i mean that that's a lot a lot a lot of sets yeah uh and that's expensive uh and each one was just magnificent you walked around these things and you get used to film sets where you you know they they look great they look great you walk around the back and there's like struts holding it up and someone leaning against it to, to uh you know stop it falling over and all that bit but these were so well built it was it was an absolute labyrinth you know the camera could go anywhere really um and uh you know to, to give david fincher the, the maximum usage um, and it, it was it was a wonderful production. I had a lot of friends on it. We had a great time. It was socially, it was wonderful. And we had this amazing thing. It's sort of seven o'clock every morning. We all lined up, had our heads shaved, had a whole load of just dirt rubbed into us. 
and uh, you know all, it was painful for the first couple of uh, days as you you know um, uh, but soon it became like um, uh, we were the club and everyone wanted to join our club and yeah. if it were bald and you were having you know crap thrown at you and rubbed into your skin uh, you weren't the cool ones we were the cool ones and uh, so it, 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 they were sort of badges of honour, really, in the end. It was great. Um, we got very good at Scrabble because there are, are big uh, pauses between scenes that you're involved in. Yeah. And uh, But Fincher, who was 28 at the time, was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, David Fincher, an uh, amazing man. It was his first really, really big feature. He, um, he had sort of banks of monitors in front of him with the stunt unit, special action, computer unit, first unit, second unit. Um, uh, you know, how he dealt with all the technical, uh, uh, you know, the needs of the film, I don't know. And he was getting a lot of pressure from 20th Century Fox, I think, to complete things. And um, then, of course, someone stole his notebook halfway through uh, oh. filming, which had the, end, had the ending, you know, all storyboarded and everything like that. And, um, you know, poor chap, we, we then had to film three endings so that no one knew which one was going to go out. Um, and, uh, uh, it, 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 yes, yeah, so it was an extraordinary time. But he was, uh, he was very encouraging. He loved, uh, he loved the British actors, as did... Uh, Sigourney Weaver, she was very happy, very comfortable, you know, we were very comfortable around her, it was lovely. Um, and uh, I, I suppose my happiest memory is that one day, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on you, am I allowed to swear? No, 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 well you can, you can, I'll, uh, no, but, I'll bleep it out. Oh, if you can bleep it out, that'd be great, because the line sort of con contains the swear words, so I apologise in advance for the bleep that's going to go, but my line was, uh, um, she, uh, Sigourney, we've had to say something, and I said, I don't give a fuck what she says, we've got to do a little bit of it. And uh, just on the last camera rehearsal, I uh, because of the way that she looked, if you look at her, what she looked like yes. there, yeah, yeah, we've I, I said, uh, I don't give a fuck what Shirley Temple says, but a bit of it, and everyone, the whole set went, What? What's he said? What's he? What, what, what's Clive's gone mad? And uh, various people scuttled off behind the set and into the distance. And uh, uh, obviously they went to check legally if that was, if I was allowed <laughs> to say that. And they came back and Fincher came back on the set and went, yeah, you can say it. You say it. So they'd obviously gone away and, and some legal department had run up. So uh, that the line stayed in, which which is great. Um, but uh, I've got the picture up on my wall, actually. It says, to Clive, uh, a, a rapist, a convict, a swell guy, all in all, lots of love, Shirley Temple. And that's the, uh, that's the photograph of Sigourney Weaver on my wall. That's amazing. Uh, I'm sure I can show you. It's, yeah. Uh, over there. There it is. Yeah, there it is. I can see it. There it is. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So we we had we we were comfortable enough to uh, to add stuff like that in you know at the right time, um, and Fincher made that all very possible. He was lovely, really, really, really lovely bloke, and he's gone on to uh, you know extraordinary things. Yeah, absolutely, and the same for for Sigourney. I mean, she was at uh, sort of at her peak then, wasn't she? She was sort of building a real name for herself after the first one, and and obviously yeah. Aliens being so critically acclaimed. Yeah. 
Well, I, I don't think that uh, I can't remember her ever turning in a, a poor performance. I, I, you know, I, she's one of the uh, stalwarts, and um, yeah, and it shows she's a very, very relaxed, calm, and lovely, lovely person to work with. Great, yeah. Excellent, and and obviously you've done you've done so many other. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned you on it earlier. Um, Shameless, which I actually was, I've been, I've been watching Shameless, and you're in a couple in there, mainly with uh, with Tina Malone, um, as, yeah. as Mimi Maguire. Uh, yeah. Do quite a lot of scenes with with her, um, yeah, and she was in White Band Man with uh, Will Miller and yeah, uh, Georgia Tennant. Yeah, it was a great favourite, uh, uh, White Band Man. It, um, it, it, uh, in fact, I chose to do, uh, I think, the second series of White Van Man over and above go back to Game of Thrones because, uh, I, you know, I was just, uh, I enjoyed White Van Man so much more. But um, it, um, uh, then a new controller of uh, uh, BBC Three came in and uh, just swept the desk of all the, all the projects which were, were there because they have to make their own mark and uh, of course our series just went by the by the wayside which yeah. is a terrible terrible waste and uh, Adrian Poynton who who wrote the series was so was so upset he left the country for a bit he went off to America to write and I think he's back now but you know people just don't understand the work that goes into these things no. they cut they come in they sweep a desk because they don't want to be associated with previous people's projects and uh, out go all those people's jobs just fly out the window yeah. as a result. Uh, and it was a perfectly wonderful little series that had it was own... hilarious. It was so yeah, good, yeah. so yeah. so good. So uh, yeah, that sort of stuff's upsetting. You, but that you know, that's that, you know, all you can do is enter into these things, enter into these projects with as much energy, commitment, and uh, skill that you can bring to it as possible, and uh, and hope. You know, the number of times I've stood on a TV set and say, and people have gone, oh, this is, this is it. This is the one. This is, yeah, yeah all right, all right. I'll believe I'll jump on, I'll jump on that boat with you. And then when it comes out, you go, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> so how did you, how did you find working on, on the behemoth that is Game of Thrones in comparison to, to other TV shows? Because obviously it's, it, it was just, magnificent uh amazing brilliant yeah i mean that that's that that coat is just is just brilliant <laughs> um it was uh i've got to say it's the most amazing series um our first 10 episodes cost uh 50 million dollars so i'm told and each and every penny is up there on the screen i think yeah. it's an amazing achievement um, it just wasn't that uh, much uh, fun to make because uh, you're, it's such a huge operation. Yeah. Uh, there are 300 speaking parts in the first 10 episodes, someone told me. I mean, that's extraordinary. Yeah, so yeah. it's fair enough. You, you, as a, as a, a, you know, a nice featured part in it, but you can't expect to have the producer's ear or the director's ear and go, now about my character, I want to, uh, you know, they haven't got time for that. No. They've got 10 episodes of really high pressured television, with 300 people speaking. There's 300 actors. How many technicians and crew and wardrobe and makeup and catering and horses and dog trainers and 
you know, it's massive. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that I didn't feel very at home on it is neither here nor there, and it's unimportant. Um, but uh, uh, what I wanted for the youngsters on it was for them to have their moment in the sun in the same way that we had with Robna Sherwood, where we'd had yeah. this incredible family uh, um, atmosphere, and it had enabled us all to do you know, uh, the, the best work that we were capable of at the time. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter about what, what I felt about Game of Thrones. I, what I wanted it for, for the, the kids on it who were doing their first job, I wanted that to be the same sort of experience. And I think by and large from what I've heard, they had that. So yeah. that's great. Um, um, but it was minus 22 uh, as we were filming our scenes uh, at the end of series one. I was not long back from Everest. I'd been on a charity trek to uh, Everest Base Camp and it was minus 15 was the coldest it got up there. And um, yeah, it was minus 22 on Titanic Dock. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I went backwards and forwards for weeks to train with the dogs who at that stage, they weren't the full dire wolves. They were, they were sort of just a bit bigger than pups. And um, so we spent weeks out there on Titanic Dock where I had a little bit of meat in my palm of my hand here. And they used to run at me, uh, jump at the meat, and then I, we'd go back onto crash mats. Uh, we trained it. That, that was all fantastic. All went terribly well until the day it came to filming. And uh, suddenly we are all in our costumes. I mean, you, you know, I mean, we all looked uh, at these huge ha 200 hairy men candles yep. guttering and flickering and uh you know these really dark somber sets and um the dogs just wouldn't perform they just would not do it so it ended up with the uh, first assistant director with a stuffed toy dog throwing it through frame and me going ah <laughs> collapsing backwards attacked by a, a, a small sort of jack russell type uh, dog which was thrown at me but um no and then of course they piece it all together TV magic and um, you know uh, it, you wouldn't know just the difference but um, uh, so it was full of stories like that um, lo lovely we you only really um, got to know the faction that you were representing so you know the Michelle I was with Michelle Fairley and Ron Donaghy and uh, Alfie Allen Richard Madden and got to know them well and we had uh, a, a lovely time but, um, you know, we didn't mix with the Dothraki or anybody. So no. uh, they were all off. They weren't at minus 22. No, they you. weren't at all. No, yeah. they were in, uh, they had their lovely sunshine. Although it was probably not lovely. It was probably baking hot. And uh, yeah. Oh, yes, I think I'd rather be hot than cold. Never mind. No. Yeah. But, uh, no, uh, it, it really, uh, it really, um, the trouble is, I was meant to do uh, bits in, I think, the second and third series, but they couldn't tell me the dates they needed me to, to film. And um, I had this year's work lined up with White Van Man and uh, a tour of Tommy Cooper that I was doing on stage. And so, um, you know, I had to say no to, uh, yeah. to Game of Thrones when they eventually came through. We asked them lots of times what dates they needed me and they couldn't tell me. So, uh, you know, uh, just bad timing, really. Yeah, and I guess for for an actor, it, that that can happen quite a lot, quite a lot. You know, bad timing and yes, I mean you're forever standing at a crossroads, going <laughs> which which direction can I take now? Yeah. Or, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to be given a choice of uh, of jobs, 
you know, some of the time you're going to choose the right one, some of the time you're going to choose the wrong one. Hey, what yeah. are you going to do? Uh, you know, you, 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 you can't regret it. Uh, you, you, you just end up beating yourself up all the time. You've got to go with your gut instinct. And yeah. there's always good to be, to be taken from every situation. So every experience. Good. good. And uh, let's talk about your books. Cause oh. we, we started talking about those at the beginning and I, and I want to, I want to talk about those because you've got, you've already obviously mentioned the third one is going to be due out soon, the next, to the next yeah. couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a story. Uh, the, the the same characters in all the books. Freddie Malone, he's um, he's a thirteen year old boy who gets a, a world map for his birthday, and um, he through through which he can disappear uh, to anywhere in the world at any time in history. So uh, and he's called to those places to help sort out something. So it's it's not quite. Um, it's a bit Machiavellian to say it's history by yeah. stealth. It's very much encouraging young readers to, to um, soak in a bit of history ac by accident almost yeah. because it's a, a dedicated adventure set in uh, a definite historical event, but um, with the actual re real events of that time. But there's a, a you know, a, 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 I've laced a, an adventure in amongst that. So the first one's in Everest, a place I know well. Um, and Mallory and Irving, the first, you know, who, who nearly got to the top of the mountain. Yes, um, yeah. The second book is King Tutankhamun, um, Ancient Egypt, which is, a, you know, a, what a world that is. And the third one, which comes out a uh, week after next or so, is um, Great Fire, Great Plague, Great Fire of London, and uh, sort of just in the first a few decades of the slave trade so it's a uh, um it couldn't have been more topical uh but i i did start writing that one two years ago so <laughs> i hope i i haven't been uh, responsible for bringing this latest pandemic on us but um uh the the similarities between how the the plague uh, operated in london in uh, 1665 and what we're going through now it's it, it's it, you know it's really um very very obvious um, and the great fire of course and um and these amazing couple of characters i found in uh called mingo and jack who were servants black servants of the people who lived either side of samuel peeps okay and uh, so I've got uh, Freddie is uh, now a servant to, to Samuel Pepys and uh, he teams up with Mingo and Jack and learns about the, the terrible um, situation that they found themselves in being in uh, slaves. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's therefore uh, general consumption as a as an adventure in the, their own right. But. People are, uh, lots of mums and dads are actually buying the copies and giving them to the school libraries, you know, where yeah. their kids are, because they, you know, they're, um, they're a really good um, uh, uh, aid to help with history. Yeah, so I want to get um, um, there for boys and girls, but uh, boys are much worse at reading, <laughs> and much less likely to read than girls are. So I... Uh, um, uh, it, I really want to get them reading reading books and soaking in this atmosphere uh, uh, by osmosis almost. Yeah. What uh, was your what What was your inspiration to 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 write the books and to to obviously go down that route? Well, I, I went to Everest. I think it was in two thousand and one, um, and the whole thing about walk, going to a, a place like that is it takes a long time to get there. And because it's so inaccessible, so inhospitable, 
you life becomes about keeping fed warm watered and looking after the people around you they're the only things eventually that matter yeah. uh, car insurance house insurance uh, whether you've got a, a certificate for your you know your wood burner for the next year all that just you know all that stuff just disappears out of your head and you have room to think about other things so got to Everest I had to go and see Everest in my life and I had to go and touch it and I've been there and I've done it and on the way out of your head is so wonderfully empty of all this rubbish that we carry around most of the time that um, I, I literally thought world map boy disappears through it to any place in the world at any time in history and uh, and i knew i had the hook for a, a, yeah. you know, a good a good adventure series then cut to i didn't i was so busy acting at the time cut to years later and i was uh, i was on this wonderful job in south africa um why we made a, a remake of the poseidon adventure i've absolutely no idea because the, the first one's perfectly good enough the first one was anyway, amazing, we, yeah yeah, we were we were in South Africa for uh, um, for months, and they couldn't fly you backwards and forwards because you're you know, you know. So I had weeks where I was just sat in this lovely apartment in Cape Town, and uh, finally I had time to start writing, and uh, and I did, uh, um, and uh, so uh, that that's how it all came came about really. But I love it. It's a it's a perfect compliment to um, to acting because you know I I can act uh, and then I can also write one during yeah. the day if I'm on stage at night and I can it's 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 lovely it's it's a very fulfilling thing. So have you got a have you got a, a passion for history? Is that why you kind of went down the historical route? Yes, history and geography really. Uh, history, geography, and English are my <laughs> my three uh, three real passions in life, and I seem to have been able to amalgamate all three of them into uh, into these books, um, which helps, doesn't it? Rather than someone tell you what you've got to write about, if you can write about the things that uh, really get your juices going, yes. I think that's that's very important. Um, yeah, they were the only three things I was good at at school, and uh, <laughs> and so by some miracle, I've managed to retain that. Really Retain all that and, and uh, use re use them to write. Fantastic! And where where are the books available from? Where can where can people buy them from? Oh, they're 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 on Amazon. They're on things like that. Uh, they're uh, those are the first two there. Um, the uh, they're um, bookshops. If they haven't got them in stock, will will always order them in. The first one's the treasure at the top of the world, and the second one's uh, in uh, um, a jewel in the sands of time. And the third one coming out is uh, in the city of fortune and flames. So uh, no, um, no, I just uh, uh, I, I was really moved when I was young by um, people like Clive King who wrote uh, Stig of the Dump, um, yep. and uh, and I was haunted by a guy uh, called Oliver Postgate who whose voice on various TV shows that he wrote, um, things like Nog in the Nog and Ivor the Engine and Bagpuss and the, the Clangers, things like that. Yep. He didn't talk down to children. He used his the vocabulary that he would have done if he was talking to an adult. Yeah. Uh, and interesting, interesting words, and which you perhaps didn't know the meaning of as a four, four five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old listening to it. But it didn't matter because it was in context, and you soon understood it, and your vocabulary grew, and your imagination was was uh, was uh, expanded as a result of of, um, of of listening to this guy. And um, so they were my my big influences. 
and uh, I wanted to do for uh, some children uh, what what they had very wonderfully done for me as as a child. And uh, so far, the, the you know I've been very very lucky to have some great feedback about it. So it's lovely. Excellent. Good. Oh, that's brilliant. Clive, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. I know we've overrun slightly, but I do, I do massively appreciate y your time to come and talk to me. I really do. That's all right, matey. And continue good luck with, uh, with everything you're doing. It's, uh, it's uh, very, very, very... I think in this modern world, you know, I, I'm very slow to catch up on all, all, all this. I, you know, I sit here at my desk and I, I still write longhand and then I have to translate it to the computer later. But I mean, how you cope with all this modern technology. Good luck to you. Look, the best of luck with everything. Take care. Thank you, Clive. Take care. And we'll, we'll speak again one day. Yes. Yes, that would be amazing. Thank you. All right. Take care, mate. Take Bye. Care. Bye.